Hello, hello. Yes, we like to talk about all of your favourite furry, scaly, spiky animals here on Pet Chat, don't we? Cheryl Shaw, Dr Paul McCarthy, welcome. Thank you very much, Sarah. Cheryl, what are we chatting about today? Okay, I'm going to talk about dissexing today because I think dissexing is really important. It is. You know, it's so sad when we have so many animals that just can't find homes for it. It's terrible. That's yeah. Now, the only time you wouldn't, wouldn't um, dissex is if you've got a show dog. So you've got a show dog, you can't dissex because obviously once you get your championship, you're going to start a breeding line. So for those people who are showing and breeding, this doesn't count. But for the general um, home pet, it really is important. And there's a lot of aspects of why it's important. So we might talk about that in a moment. We most certainly will. And, of course, if you want to give us a call, 49216216. Dr Paul's here to answer your questions. And then if there's time, we'll discuss something a little later on in the show as well. Perfect. Sounds good. Have you, is it a secret? A secret squirrel. Ah, I like it. <laughs> now, Cheryl, we're talking about desexing our animals, and it really is very important. It is, Sarah. So there's a lot of health implications if pets aren't desexed. So one of the things is having your dog desexed, your female dog desexed early is really important. Now, Paul, the reason for this is that they gain, um, they get a lot of cancer if they're not desexed before that first litter. Is that correct? For, for Females, um, there is an increased risk of uterine and ovarian tumours, certainly if they stay. More importantly, um, mammary gland development once commenced will increase the risk of mammary gland cancers as well. Mm. So it's the one we're often very much talking about and and is a particularly preventable condition if you desex prior to that first season. Yeah, and there's a lot of myths about often people have a puppy and they say, oh, my puppy's so lovely, I would like to have a litter. And it isn't necessary to wait to after your dog's had a litter, is it? No. So, look, I think lots of people fall in love with their first dog or their dog and say, I'd love to have another one of these. Yes. Now, I always caution clients that, that puppies aren't clones of mum and dad, just like our own children aren't clones of us. So that beautifully well-behaved retriever you remember, um, those puppies will not be the same as that dog. They will have some genetic predispositions, but they won't become a clone. So often people say, oh, I'd like to have this dog back when this one goes. Um, Not always the best reason to keep your dog is to have a replacement bred from it because often people are disappointed because... Personalities are always different in litters. All, the, yeah. all animals are going to be different. Correct. Depending. Yeah, That's correct. So, yes. Yes. Now, there's a few really positive things that come from desexing. One is if you've got a dog with some behavioural problems, particularly your male dogs, this can mm. actually help to get rid of some of those or reduce some of those behavioural problems. So things like urinating in the house, that's a really big problem. You know, you don't want that to be happening. So is that a hormonal thing, Cheryl? An, or, an, or initially, Paul? Sarah, you're correct. So initially it'll be stimulated by that hormonal need to mark territory. Okay. Um, but disappointingly, um, if you desex a male who's got that um, uh, trait already, sometimes it can then become habitual. They yeah. don't need the hormone to stimulate the behaviour. It's just now something that they do. Yeah. Got you. And I, I commonly get this question when people bring their male dogs in at sort of four or five, and the reason they're de- I ask them why they're desexing is, oh, because he wheezes on everything. Um, and my answer often, sadly, is that desexing may not change that now. It, it may be too late to make a difference. So what's the ideal time to desex our animals, our dogs, cats? 
Paul, that can depend on a couple of things, can't it? Because sure. sometimes when we've got our large breed dogs, the veterinarians will often wait a period of time. Yeah, there's a lot of debate currently and it's a very sort of hot topic. Behaviourally, it would be great if all animals were desexed before they hit puberty. Yes. You've got a much greater ability to manage um, behaviour and anxiety behaviours if you desex them before some of those hormonally stimulated territorial or breeding behaviours are elicited. Um, disappointingly though for large breed dogs then often what you're doing is that lack of hormone as those long bones are forming may predispose to diseases such as hip dysplasia and so it's a real discussion to have with your breeder who will often have experience in these fields but also your veterinarian as to whether your dog is a, a breed that would advise desexing early or desexing late um, it's a bit of a watch this space Cheryl in that certainly yes. there's some research happening in the field of hip dysplasia and whether there are uh, in, inputs by hormones or not is still a fairly contested space. Mm. And the other thing too is if you've got an undesexed male dog, he's going to want to roam around to find a mate. You know, he's going to look for the femme fatale of the neighbourhood. Correct. Yeah. And that's, you know, we don't want these unplanned litters. We want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to have their dogs desexed to prevent those litters that um, aren't necessary. Okay. Uh- well, yeah, I've desexed all of my dogs before their first season. Yes. Um, and, for my, and for males before six months. Um, it just, as a homeowner with multiple dogs, it's much easier to have a house full of desexed dogs than to have dogs that have hormonal seasons as well. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, your topics are sparked a, a call. We've got Steve in Waratah West. Now, Steve, you've got a little puppy or you know of a little puppy that is just continually, uh, continuously following the owner around. Is that correct? Yeah, um, yeah, he's um, eight months old, little dash hound cross, Jack Russell, and I've had him since he's um, two months old. And uh, yeah, if I if I go anywhere, he'll, he'll, he'll just follow me around like a tattoo or whatever. And then when I sit on the lounge, all he wants to do is lick me to pieces. Yeah, and so- he's a bit of a compulsive eater, you know. Like I treat him, you know, like whether I'm doing the right thing or not, I don't know. And he's very sexed, everything, you know, like I'm just listening to what you're saying, we all needled up and everything. But I, I'm just thinking, you know, is, is it, is, like if I, if I sit on the lounge and I, I go to the toilet, he's right on this earls, you know? Yeah. Then, so, Steve, then, what's happening? I go and is your... back down again or whatever. All yeah. he wants to do is lick, lick, lick. Correct. So, so your, your puppy is showing you evidence of separation anxiety. And so this, this little guy thinks that without you being there, that they're not very safe. So what we're doing is trying to stay with you as often as we can. Um, often these are dogs who may not have had a lot of separation from their owners. So dogs who owners, for example, don't work and therefore they've never had a, a, a separation from their owners. Or um, particularly post-COVID, we've had a lot of separation anxiety numbers increase because dogs who... Um, have been puppies, have had sort of very little exposure because their owners have either been working from home um, or they haven't been able to, to get out of the house because of COVID restrictions. So the, the licking behaviour your dog is doing is an appeasement behaviour. So what the, the dog is saying to you is, um, I love you, don't hurt me. I love you, don't hurt me. And so that appeasement behaviour can also be rewarded. So if you sort of allow the licking to continue and things, the dog will think this is a good thing. I'll, I'll just keep doing this because I'm getting that, that reinforcement from my, from my owner. Um, 
I would suggest that a dog of this age, these habits would be really good to work on in that there'll be times, for example, you'll wish to leave the house um, and it would be helpful if that dog has learnt some self-confidence and some self-resilience that they don't feel anxious when you're not there. And I, I get a little bit nervous with these sorts of histories where there's that constant following you around is that they're not feeling particularly safe in your absence. And separation anxiety is a disease that can grow um, in that, that some of the side effects of being very anxious when their owner's away can be dogs who try and escape, um, dogs who become destructive. So they may uh, pull down curtains, um, chew floorboards or door frames to get out to where their owners may be. Um, and I've had some cases where they've even gone through glass windows trying to get out and there's been obviously self-harm wow. associated. These are real panic attacks from these dogs who just feel terrified in the absence of an owner. So because this dog is still quite young, there is an opportunity to work on that self-resilience. And I, I would really advocate trying to have some alone time from your dog both leaving the house and even within your house. So there might be times where, for example, the dog might be in a different room from you or outside while you're inside. Um, and we're just letting that dog learn some self-soothing and some, some new coping strategies that they can put in place that don't require your reinforcement to tell them that they're safe. So when you've got a dog that's constantly following you um, and getting a sort of a reward from that, maybe some treats you've given or even just a friendly pat on the head for being there, um, you've actually just said to the dog, this is the right behaviour. Please keep following me. Please keep doing this behaviour. Um, and in a, in a, inadvertently what we're doing is we're creating that very reliant dog um, which disappointingly can lead to fairly you know, severe separation anxiety as an older dog. All right, Steve, thank you so much for the call uh, and good luck with your gorgeous puppy there. What you might not know about Dr. Paul McCarthy, though, is that you are a bit of a you, you're a musician fan. You love music. Yes, And I we do. were just reminiscing, or you were, about David Lee Roth's film clip to that song, California Correct. Girls. Yes, yes. Bit seductive, as, isn't as it, a, As a young boy growing into his um, puberty years, <laughs> um, this was a very popular film clip when it came on Rage. Oh, we, were, we were just watching it uh, on a bit of YouTube during that song and we were all blushing. Fantastic. Yes, yes, I will admit the Rage. the Northern girls, the way they kiss, they they were a very beautiful set of twins. They certainly <laughs> never been forgotten. There you go. Uh, Cheryl or Paul, did you get to see the pink supermoon last night? I did. I actually oh, went out to missed... specifically look for it. Obviously, yeah. it wasn't pink, but it was It, it was, was impressive. enormous, though. It was huge yeah. and so bright. It was like yeah. there was a light turned on outside. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Mm, very good. It is Pet Chat and welcome to the show, Helen. Lovely to have your company. Now, you've had many rescue dogs and you've currently got a 10-year-old dog that's getting yep. very excited uh, when you come home and, and there's a lot of barking involved. Yes, I have. Um, she's 10 years old. I've had her for about four years now. And um, you'll see me drive into the driveway and she will start barking the minute she sees my car pull up. Mm. She'll bark and bark. Um, and as I'm going into the house, you can hear her scratching on the door. Yep. So I go inside. I've got two rescue dogs. And Lily Foxy, he, he, he's okay. You'll wag his tail and run around. She still keeps barking. Yep. Even though I'm in the house, she'll still keep barking at me. And it's barking at me. Yeah. And she's wagging her tail. Is it like, look at me, look at me, sort of? It, it, it's, it's a... Uh, another version of actually what we were talking about earlier about separation anxiety 
and this he is, has had that too. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, it's it's not sort of it's it's the same disease expanded, sadly. So um, what happens with separation anxiety, and I was sort of speaking to Steve about this before, is that disease yeah. starts small and gets worse with time. Uh, okay. And so this is just a, an exaggerated response now of that separation anxiety. So while you've been away, that dog's mm. been waiting, 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 and there's been this build-up of tension and anxiety with your absence. Uh, and then okay. as soon as we get that idea you're coming home, then all of that tension and that, that excitement is coming out. And the dog mm. physically can't control those behaviours. These are behaviours that are now almost at a, a threshold level where the dog has an almost unconscious um, action occurring. Um, okay. So at 10, the challenge will be that lots of this will have been building over the years and therefore um, a challenge to try and reverse that. But have a chat to your local veterinarian about using perhaps some behaviour modifying medication to try and reduce the, le- the level of generalised anxiety. And, okay. and certainly the most important for you with your exits and your entering your home is that they're all exceptionally low-key. We don't say goodbye, see you, have a good day, and when we come home, if that behaviour is happening, we completely ignore that dog. Um, we make okay. no hello, no no food, no touching. Um, we almost try and make no visual response to the dog. Um, mm. So that what we're doing is what in dog language is we don't appreciate that behaviour. So in, okay. in dogs that have communal groups, dogs that do a behaviour that the other dogs don't like, the other dogs just sort of turn their back and shun them. And okay. so what we're sort of doing is trying to mimic that canine behaviour by saying, we don't need to have that behaviour. Look at a different way of getting the attention. And then as right. soon as the behaviour has gone back to normal, so once this dog is actually showing calm behaviour, pay mm-hmm. that immediately. Okay. So what we're doing is we're telling the dog, this is what's going to get you your benefit of attention from me. Those other behaviours you're doing are just not really what we want to see. Yeah, because she's so loud, so I go to her straight away. Yes, and inadvertently what you've done is gone, good job. Please please do that next time um, because you've reinforced by your attention that the dog's behaviour was exactly what the group want to see. Okay, thank you very much for the call, Helen, and the best of luck. Let's go to Rose now in Metford. Uh, Another puppy question. Uh, Your puppy has started to chatter its teeth. Yes. Is it cold? Um, no, no. She's um, 12 going on 13. She's um, been having problems with her legs and everything, so I put her on some foresight um, mm-hmm. oil, yep, which is yep. I've really, really helped her. Perfect. She's also on the fish oil and an activated turmeric with glucemine. Mm-hmm. I've noticed the other day on the weekend and we were going to go to the but um, she stopped doing it. It only happened for about two or three minutes and she was just chattering her teeth were shaking like, you know, um, and then it completely stopped. Yeah. I'm going to go with your first gut instinct, which is have a chat to your veterinarian. There's a, there's a couple of possibilities here, Rose, and a couple of them that I would suggest really need following up on. So teeth chattering generally is not associated with cold. So um, I, I, I think you're right in the fact that this is not cold-related. The, yeah. the, the three things I would be most concerned about in a dog of that age, the first would be whether there is underlying dental disease. 
So you can have very small holes or tooth root abscesses, um, damage to the enamel that allows um, oversensitization of the tooth, and, and that can certainly cause chattering. So chattering can be a pain response. So in, right. in dogs that have got um, dental disease, often teeth chattering can be associated with pain. The right. second would be possibly is that there are a, there is a type of seizure called a chewing gum seizure, which is where the dog looks like they're doing a, a very fast, rapid movement of their teeth, uh, and what we often see as a chattering. And that mm-hmm. chattering may be actually what we refer to as a focal seizure. Now, focal seizures initially start as a very short duration and very sp- um, sporadic, um, but yeah. can increase in, the, in, in, in frequency. And in a dog of that age, there, there may sadly be some central nervous system lesion that may be producing those seizure disorders. So that would be the second reason to have a chat to your vet. Um, thirdly, also, chattering can be a, a display of anxiety or fear. So, so dogs may chatter their teeth due to fear. But I think very important in a dog of this age where some of those other possibilities may be far more likely, um, I think your first gut instinct of having a chat to a veterinarian would be a perfect thing to do in this circumstance. Yeah, because the other thing was a couple of days after that, um, my husband was patting her and she just started shaking or she was shivering, but then it stopped within about a minute or so and she hasn't done it since. Yeah, I, I think this would be a good opportunity to have a talk to your local vet, maybe have some, some blood tests run to make sure there's no other sort of metabolic causes. I'd rule out tooth teeth disease and seizure disorder as, as your two most your two big priorities in this case. And then you can go, go from there. If Correct. If, 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 okay. if we rule out those ones, then we can certainly work on the fact that if this is a fear response, we look for the triggers. So was it, in this circumstance, the patting that was the trigger? So some dogs we can become hypersensitised to being patted as they get older because they're worried that the movement may make their joints sore. And ah. in this circumstance where Rose has already identified that there are sore joints, sometimes too much physical attention can make a dog worried that they may get a painful response from the attention. Okay. And so that could cause uh, shaking that may stop when the, when the actual patting stops. So I think... in the, Interestingly, dogs can only tell us tell us things in certain ways, yeah. and chattering is a fairly um, has, has a broad range of causes, both disease related and then behaviour related. And Paul, just on that, would it be mm. worth Rose um, videoing that to take to the veterinarian? Oh, great idea, Cheryl. Yeah, and look, I, I the. the the smartphone has made my job enormously improved because yeah. clients can film these incidents and bring mm. them in. So and handy. Off, yeah, often seeing them presented in that fashion has made certainly diagnosis much easier. Yes. All right, Thanks it is that, Pet Chat. Yeah, thank you, Rose. 49216216. When we come back, Michelle in Thornton, she's got a question about her two-year-old Maltese puppy, which no doubt you can address and offer some advice with, Paul. Michelle, you're in Thornton. How can we help you? today? Um, I've got a two-year-old Maltese Terrier who has decided that she's going to be a little aggressive towards um, anyone that goes near her when, um, yeah, I'm around, I guess. Okay, so um, is it a fear-aggressive response or is it a territorial-aggressive response? Is it people approaching her or people just entering your space? I think, um, well, if if she's with me and my son goes to pat her, she mm-hmm. snaps and growls and carries on 
Okay, is it just your son? Um, no, my husband. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> the, the... If, my, if my husband's got her and my son goes to get her, she's, yeah. She's... How old is no. your son? 14. Yeah, okay. So your son's body language is quite confusing for dogs at his age. And as such, the dog is going to be somewhat more vigilant about behaviours your son does. Um, and so in this circumstance, your son is far better to try and attract the dog to him by either a treat toy or or, 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 or praise and only engage in physical attention if the dog asks for it. Right. So um, dogs are not able to understand English, obviously. They, they learn phrases, but what they're exceptionally good at is reading body language. Now, right. teenagers of, of, all, of both sexes are quite challenging for dogs to read because they're, they're changing. They're ceasing to be that sort of younger child that has very little awareness of body language and their bodies are changing and so is their behaviours. So the dog becomes a little bit more um, challenged by reading this novel that doesn't look like the novel that knew before. The, yeah. the, the, the news is different. And so what we need to do in this circumstance where the dog is lashing out in that scenario, particularly if it's if it's about your son's approach, is your son needs to form a new bond where the dog is made to feel safer around your son. And right. so often a really good idea is have your son do the feeding, um, have your son do the walking, um, have your son play particular games where you are both not there. So yeah. that what we're doing is we're forming this safetyness about uh, safetyness around your son. That you right. the, the dog is receiving lots of really positive feedback about your son's presence and your son's attention. So yeah. that that um, at the moment that sort of trepidation your your dog has about what the intentions of your son are are made to be relaxed because you can see that your son is associated with really positive times in, in the dog's life, in, in right. the, around food time, around walk time, around game time, so that, that we re-establish re that bond um, and so it makes it easier for the dog to understand what your son's doing. Um, right. The other thing important too is that not all dogs are tactile dogs. So just like some people like a hug and some people don't like a hug, some dogs can be the same. And it's allowing the dog to read and live its own life um, irrespective of the demands often that we place on them. So yeah. some dogs are really happy to just be around us, be next to us, be, be, be sort of in front of us, but don't really want the hug or don't really want the pat. And, and so in these circumstances, it's often best to let, certainly at two, um, let the dog direct some of that attention if it wants it. So if a dog comes up and bats your hand and pushes it up in the air for a pat, give the pat then. But if your dog's relaxing on the lounge or relaxing on the floor, maybe let it relax on the lounge unless it wants the attention. In yeah. that, as as um, you know, for example, I've got some friends. If I walked up and gave them a great big hug, they'd find that really uncomfortable. And so they like to be around, but they don't necessarily need that tactile sensation. And often small breed dogs, because of their size, it can be quite intimidating for a sort of a larger person or a larger animal to come up to them and touch them directly. It can be quite a confronting thing for those little guys when they understand size-wise there's no chance they'll win if things go badly in that interaction. So allowing that sort of that situation where the dog can can sort of drive some of that attention itself will make the dog more uh, relaxed and therefore less likely to use 
fear or aggression as a defensive posture. And Paul, can that change throughout a dog's life as Absolutely. well? A dog that did like pats as they get older, perhaps some of those conditions you're mentioning saw Correct. not comfortable. They want to still be around, but don't want the pats as much. Exactly, exactly. So, so uh, as with all of us, we we all change with our needs and our wants over our lifetime, and and dogs are no different. Um, and so often allowing a dog to to be its own person in your family is often quite important in that you can create aggressive problems by pushing a dog's threshold too often. Mm, like a rule in our house that so the kids are not allowed to approach Gizmo in his bed. Beautiful. Um, yeah. And particularly at night because he yep. doesn't want them to and he will growl. Yes, of course. So they have to, that, that's the rule. They Absolutely. don't approach Giz, he's got to approach them at night. Yeah. Okay. And I often put it to people is that if you are lying in your bed, someone coming up and patting you while you're in bed is quite a confronting thing. It is. If you're asleep yeah. and someone touches you, you you wake up with a jolt. You you do get and, cranky, and so, don't you? Yeah, it's about remembering that these dogs are experiencing the same things, and so if they're relaxing really nicely and they're they're in that quiet wind down mode, often getting that stimulus of a tactile um, sensation can be quite disappointing. Okay, Paul, we're not going to start your topic today because I know it's a, sure. a big topic. We've had a, we've had a lot of calls today. We have had a lot of calls. Thank you, everyone, for the calls. But I did want to ask you both. Um, I was reading an article today, and I know it was mentioned last year. I read something similar. But I'd always thought, and I guess the general consensus was, in terms of our dog's age, it was seven dog years to one human year. Mm. Uh, but this research that I was reading sort of throws that out the window and says a one-year-old dog is compared now to a 50 year old human correct and by the age of two they're 25 that's right and 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 interestingly this has always been the case so that that sort of myth that every year is standard and and liken it to again to a human when when you grow from say in my case 49 to 50 which is what's coming um on thursday happy birthday (laughs) (laughs) um that year not much is going to change for me but if I'm growing from 12 to 13, a lot is happening to me. My body's changing, uh, my, my hormones are changing, and the same for a dog. So we age quickly. We, we go from being children to adults in sort of 18 years, realistically, but we're adults for 40, 50 years before we become yeah, senior. Right. And so dogs are the same. So what we're, what they're talking about in those articles is about the biological age. Yeah. Okay, so not so much in years, but, but if you were a human, mentally how would you be at 12 months for a dog? So and our, so you're a teenager. Our dogs are seniors around seven now, are they? They're Correct. considered seniors and then geriatrics at 12. That's right. Mm, so so okay. remembering that we're looking at the biological age, mentally, physically, what are they comparable to a human at that stage in their life? And that also changes for breeds. I was so going to say, So if you've got a small yes, breed dog... They seem to last longer. Because they're, they're biologically ageing slower. Okay. Okay. So uh, a Great Dane doesn't die earlier than it should do. It dies at the age biologically it would have done had it been a small breed dog. Right. So it's are there charts then based there are, on this and for you, breeds now? You can now? certainly look at, you can Google these quite quite commonly. And so there are different age brackets. Generally, it goes a bit on weight. 
So this, if you're sort of less than five, your your chart looks like this. Um, I've got one on my wall at work, actually. Right. So, um, and it, it's interesting. It, it's it's the heavier your frame, the the quicker you age biologically. So it's interesting that this has sort of been around, but it's coming back out again as as new research. Correct. But <laughs> it's not. No, not new. And, and I think perhaps maybe in my field, veterinary science, we knew this. But generally, the consensus, and it, it it has sort of helped, right? So if people have a bit of a rough idea of it, as an older dog, they're probably seven times what their age would be in human terms. That's not too far off the mark. Yeah, it just it's gives just you a rough they, guide. They age faster as because they're changing faster in that time period. It's all very interesting, isn't it? It's good just yeah, to be good. able to tap in and kind of get an idea of what. It might what what age they might be and it and does doing. and it helps in in my opinion in particular because there obviously as in humans different diseases are more likely to occur at different age brackets of course yeah and so having an idea roughly of the biological age of that dog does give you an, a list of differentials that is more likely to be the case for a particular clinical sign. Well, look, there you go. That's it for Pet Chat today. Cheryl, thank you, as always. Thank Paul, you, Sarah. thank you. Now, thank you very much. Before we go, though, so, Paul, you are the big five <laughs> yes, on on Thursday? Yes, next Thursday. <sighs> Happy birthday. And how many events have you got in the space of a week for this mm, milestone? We, we did discuss it earlier. I'm, I'm not doing the large do, but I, I believe there's nine meals to be had in those <laughs> In oh, the next eight days. my goodness. That sounds <laughs> fabulous. A, meal, well, yes. a meal a day. Well, you don't cook when you're turning 50. It's a big no, celebration. I, I don't think there'll be any food need to be bought in our house for quite some time. Oh, well, look, we hope you have a wonderful <laughs> yes. uh, series of much. events Thank and enjoy you. yourself. We will see you in a couple of weeks. That's it. Beautiful, Cheryl. We will see you not next week either. It's the week no, after. That's it. My goodness. There you go. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.